Lying on his back, he looked up from under the shade of a large palm frond, musing on how the natural leaf patterns resembled the woven matting his makuini made to cover the open spots in their hut. Just so, a breath of vanilla flower wove its way through a thick coastal breeze. He was supposed to be down by the water learning how to fish the bay, but a love for the beauty of his homeland always seemed to provoke a whimsical reverie. Presently, amid the rolling tide and grown-up's playful banter came the sound of strange babblings, a voice speaking in unknown sounds, but with the cadence of language. Curiosity supersedes the chance of being admonished for skipping work, so the boy begins slowly shuffling through the detritus of tropical jungle till he feels the warm sun on his cheeks. In shallow, lapping waves was an odd-shaped canoe, but what arrested his callow visage was the men speaking with his ohana. Their pale complexions compared to the familiar nuttiness of his people was funny, and he giggled at how uncomfortable they must be in all that fabric. Soon all fourteen newcomers, seven men and their wahinis, were living among the boy and his people. They built elaborate huts and taught the natives to make symbols on parchment, creating the first written Hawaiian language. By the time the boy was a teenager, he was speaking English and praying to a new god. Under Queen Kahumanu, it was a peaceful time of welcomed prosperity. Despite the slow diminishing of the boy's old culture, for practices claiming to be more civilized. As a man now, the world around him looked similar, but felt very different. The guests soon took on the manner of an invasive species. Old customs were replaced with schools and holy scriptures, where lush natural gardens once quilted the landscape, over two hundred churches now stood. Yet, overall life was still good on the island, flourishing now with modernity. Everything changed, though, in the year of their Lord, 1852, when the American church stopped sending money for the visitors. Fearing the white people and their support would leave if they had to take time away from preaching and teaching to actually work, King Kamehameha III made a grave miscalculation. He sold the Americans vast parcels of land at an extremely cheap rate. Eventually, the now land-owning Haoles rose plantations and companies capitalizing on rich Hawaiian resources. This made them very wealthy indeed, and created a caste system in which the man and his ohana now found themselves at the bottom of. On January 16th, 1893, our indignant friend stood guard over Her Majesty Queen Lilikulani while American troops descended upon the royal palace. As he felt the cold in his hand from a weapon he didn't really know how to use, he thought back to that day in the shade under the palm tree as a boy, before it all changed. He prayed to his new Christian god in vain. The following day, Lilikulani surrendered to being annexed by the United States government in what could be considered the largest corporate takeover in American history. In 1820, 
14 Protestant missionaries landed in Kauai, subsequently changing the course of Hawaiian history forever and catalyzing what would become centuries of dissonance between Hawaiians and the United States. The Protestants became wealthy entrepreneurs, succumbed to the lore of the tropics, and manipulated their self-serving beliefs, possibly jeopardizing their own salvation. Therefore, one can say this whole unfortunate experience was brought on by the missionary's downfall. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Tony, and this is Pod Tiki. From such bedeviled beginnings sprouts the impetus for a culinary movement we still find today. The idea of fresh farm-to-table ingredients. And this carries over to the world of mixology under guise of craft cocktails utilizing fresh fruits and natural sweeteners. But this isn't some hipster trend started in the modern craft resurgence of the 2010s. No, to go to the beginning, we find ourselves back in our main narrative at a wry little Polynesian bar in Hollywood, California, run by a curious man touting himself as Don the Beachcomber. Now, we know Constantino, the head bartender at La Floridita credited with making the daiquiri famous, grew his own limes in order to ensure the perfect flavor. Trader Vic's culinary approach to creating drinks informed generations of tiki mixologists. But before all that, Don Beach was experimenting beyond his propensity for blending different rums and fresh syrups by blending fresh fruit and herbs right into the drink. With its use of fresh mint and pineapple, I wonder if the missionary's downfall was an accident. It kind of appears like somebody dropped the garnish into the drink before mixing. This drink is a testament to Don's adventurous spirit, as it pertains to creating new recipes. And at first glance, adding mint leaves directly into the mixer seems like it may be kind of gross. We've all had that rogue leaf accost the back of our throat when the mojito hasn't or has been too muddled, right? And remember, this is before the age of the smoothie. At least Don never implied any pretense of healthiness. In the end, though, it turns out it's pretty dang delicious, and with only a half ounce of real sugar probably healthier than a smoothie. The missionary's downfall is almost unheard of on modern menus, most likely due to its arduous process. To make one correctly, the use of fresh pineapple is imperative. Understandably, most tiki bars that can make a decent one are probably too busy to mess with all that, and substituting fresh pineapple for juice just doesn't render render the desired result. Notwithstanding its rarity, this drink dates back to 1937 on Don the Beachcomber menus. It was kept alive across time in multiple locations and undoubtedly adjusted here and there. This is why being a tiki purist is all but futile. It's well known, similar to how an artist claims a masterpiece is never truly finished, that Don Beach and his few trusted bartenders would update the drinks from time to time. This may have been to keep up with changing tastes or perhaps revive a cocktail that had fallen out of fashion. In any case, the Missionary's Downfall recipe we have today is about as close as we could ever come to an original Don Beach concoction. That's because it was unearthed by famed tiki archaeologist Jeff Beachbum Berry, directly from the family of Hank Riddle. Who on Tiki's green earth is Hank Riddle? Nope, he's not a Harry Potter villain. Hank Riddle was one of those chosen few bartenders privy to Don Beach's real recipes. 
This was because he worked for Don from the 1940s to the 80s, across multiple restaurant locations and even while peppering in a few other tropical bars in between. Believe it or not, being a friend and head bartender for the man who created Tiki is not even a fraction of what makes Hank Riddle's life so interesting. Now, we covered Hank extensively in our Three Dots and a Dash episode. I urge you all to pause this right now and listen to that if you haven't already. It's an amazing story. For a brief overview, Hank began his life the son of a wealthy fishing fleet owner in the Philippines. After the bombing of Pearl Harbor, his family lost everything and was forced to flee into the woods to evade capture. By 15 years old, Hank was part of the guerrilla resistance when he was mistaken for a Japanese spy, tied to a tree to die, and only to be rescued by a passing friend who just recognized him by happenstance. After the war, Hank befriended Don Beach in Hawaii, who offered him a job in California. Hank and, uh, and Don became good friends. Hank made a name for himself as a favorite of Beachcomber's Hollywood elite clientele due to his ability to mitigate compromising situations. Hank's aptitude for de-escalation came in handy among his co-workers as well. On more than a few occasions, he had to broker peace between a knife-wielding Chinese cook and a Filipino waiter. Hank created some drinks of his own, but was best known for the time he spent mastering and serving Don's original recipes. After working his way up to running several Don the Beachcomber restaurants, Hank ran himself into the ground working nonstop. His own downfall, if you will. His wife credits his dedication to work for taking Hank's life, which he lost at the age of 63 in 1989. There's a lot more to Hank Riddle's life, including some funny anecdotes I don't want to repeat here, so please check out the aforementioned episode from before. Or even better... Pick up a copy of Sippin' Safari by Jeff Berry, where he tells Hank's story from a first-hand eloquence I can only aspire to. At any rate, it's from the family of this trusted Don Beach bartender that we get the real Don the Beachcomber Missionary's Downfall recipe. Without further ado, let's make a drink! Let's start with the stars of this little ditty, pineapple and mint. Now, sometimes tiki drinks can be like Taco Bell food. A lot of the same ingredients in different shapes. The missionary's downfall separates itself by using whole pineapple chunks instead of, ju instead of juice, and by incorporating mint directly into the mix. Uh, for flavor rather than just olfactory sensation. The pineapple adds viscosity when blended, creating a lovely texture. I use one of those spiral-cutting pineapple hand-coring tools. If you're doing it the old-fashioned way, I suggest cutting down the rind, or cutting the rind off and then slicing down along the sides of the pineapple to avoid the core. Take my advice and stay away from those canned pineapple rings soaking in preservative syrup. It's not going to render the same flavor. Blending the mint with the drink not only expresses the oils, adding a fresh, deep floral richness, but also flecks the drink with tiny emerald particles, making it look like glitter in the glass. And, as an upside, your wife won't get mad if you come home with mint all over your lap. When shaking and straining with mint, I usually throw the whole sprig in, but being that it's being blended right into the drink, I pluck the mint leaves off the sprig for this one and put them in the drink separately. The other fresh ingredient is, of course, lime juice. It goes without saying to use fresh squeezed. Uh, to accent all that citrus and mint, we're going to use honey syrup. This is a one-to-one -one mixture of raw honey to water. Put both in a saucepan over medium-high heat and stir until the honey is completely dissolved. 
This method was contrived by Don the Beachcomber to make working with honey easier. Next, we'll need peach brandy. A lot of modern recipes call for peach liqueur, but I stuck with brandy because it was called for specifically in Hank Riddle's notes. The problem is that it's way easier to find a high-quality peach liqueur than a decent peach brandy. As far as I can tell, there's only one distillery make, making brandy from actual peaches, and it's not available near me. Whereas I could find high-quality liqueurs like Mathilde aplenty. Herein lies my dilemma. I followed my instinct and stuck with the peach brandy, um, assuming it would at least. Hold on, let me, let me see. Assuming it would have uh, at least a richer notes that you know that the brandy and a lot of uh, liqueurs use a natural like like a, a a neutral spirit base. I figured at least having it out of brandy would be better than not. I begrudgingly went with Paul Mason, which is. Masan, I guess, which is fine, but it uses artificial flavors. I know it's not the best, but it's what I could find in the brandy category that was the closest to a peach brandy. Um, the the Palmasan peach brandy is what I did use, but I just wish I could have found something with natural all from peach. I don't necessarily know if that's what Hank would have used or what that's what Don would have used. He very well might have used a just a uh, uh, you know a run of the mill middle shelf peach brandy. Um, the wife and I have both fallen in love with this drink, so I'm positive I will be trying it with a liqueur soon. If you get there before I do, please let me know your thoughts. A side note, I've been loving all the interaction with everyone on social media, so please keep your thoughts coming. But wait, Tony, where's the rum? This ingredient is uncontested across the board. Hank's recipe calls by name for light Puerto Rican rum. Now, now, <laughs> now, 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 we can debate which one. There are plenty of wonderful blended light rums out there, but when necessity calls for a true Spanish-style column-still light rum, there's only a few options. If you're using Rondel Baralito for mixing drinks, well, congratulations on your portfolio. But for the rest of us, there's Havana Club Puerto Rico, or more commonly, Bacardi or Don Q. I noticed Don Q light rum making a hipster comeback, and that's great. It's a good rum. The seven-year is amazing. But I feel like some people use Don Q just to say they don't use Bacardi. Look, you guys have heard me rant about this before, so I'll keep it short. It's very difficult to mass-produce a product with the quality and consistency of companies like Bacardi or Budweiser. Facundo Bacardi created his recipe in Cuba when this style of distillation was in its infancy and pretty much begat a new style of light, crisp rum made specifically to the tastes of the American palate, who were the most tourists coming over to the Caribbean in that time. You can hate on large brands all you want, but looking at Bacardi's sales, I would say Facundo's recipe has stood the test of time. Besides all that, I personally find Bacardi to be fruitier and crisper with a good classic Spanish-style rum flavor. Keep in mind I'm only speaking to light Puerto Rican rums for mixing. This region boasts a plethora of fine sipping varieties that would go unappreciated in a blended drink such as this one. Okay, let me just, let me just climb down. Ah. Ooh. Okay, okay, here we go. Man, that horse was high. How about a recipe? The missionary's downfall is one ounce light Puerto Rican rum, a half ounce peach brandy, half ounce lime juice, one ounce honey syrup, 
a quarter cup of diced fresh pineapple, quarter cup of mint leaves, tightly packed, and three quarter cup of crushed ice. I decided, or I diced up the pineapple before measuring, being cautious not to press the juice without cutting. It should be, or yeah, or while cutting. Be careful not to press the juice while cutting. You don't want to mash them and 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 juice and get all the juice out of it. It should be chunky enough to hold together, but small enough to pack into a measuring cup. For the mint, I picked enough leaves and pressed them into a measuring cup. The recipe says tightly packed. I interpret this as like when a screw says hand tight. You want to pack it enough to get an accurate measure, but it doesn't need to be pressed in like you're packing that bong back in college. All right. Let me get back to my space here. Wow, I'm all over the place today, guys. I am uh you're getting some you're getting some behind the scenes off the cuff here because I'm trying to get this episode out in time. Uh we're going to place everything in a blender and we're going to blend on high for 20 seconds. A full 20 seconds. We really want to frappe that ice up. Get it all mixed in there. You want to pour it directly into a coupe or a cocktail glass or a champagne saucer. Uh, garnish with the tip of a mint sprig, just two or three small leaves, placed directly in the center of the drink. Technically, this serves too, but seeing as, as how low the ABV is, I prefer to use a large cocktail glass and bogart it all for myself. What it lacks in alcohol, Missionary's Downfall more than makes up for in flavor. A minty freshness impacts the senses first, followed by a rich, fruity essence. The drink evolves over time, vacillating through tart, minty, fruity. Perhaps it's simply power of suggestion, but the peach and honey seem to linger in the background like a chord proving a melody. I don't usually like referring to anything with alcohol as refreshing, but if ever there was a time, it is now. It is time. More akin to something you may order at a New Age tea house than a tiki bar, Missionary's Downfall is very balanced for what seems like a mixed bag of potent flavors. The only actual downfall I taste is that it does finish with heavy citric acid vibes. You're going to get that with fresh pineapple, though, but it's worth it, if nothing else, for the texture. The crushed ice blended with a whole pineapple renders a beautiful smoothie-like viscosity. One can argue this drink stimulates all three senses, or three of the three of the five senses. I don't know about you guys. Maybe I have five. I don't know how many you have, but all it's it it stimulates three of the senses, uh, all in one sip. The scent of fresh mint, the flavors of herb and fruits, and silky sensation on the palate, making a missionary's downfall a true cocktail experience. One of the things I try to do is try all the versions of a popular drink to give you guys what I believe is the best version while maintaining the closest proximity to how the creator intended it to taste. At times it's difficult because some drinks are also genres of drink. For example, I can't try every kind of daiquiri and make it to work the next day, or the rest of the week. Other times it's just cost prohibitive to buy a bunch of bottles I may only use a little bit of, like the decision I had to make here with the peach brandy versus liqueur. Best case scenario, I have to find another cocktail to make that uses that ingredient. Worst case, I now have multiple bottles of something we're never going to drink, taking up space in the bar. Space being a valuable commodity in the life of a city dweller. And sometimes, like now, there's a version based off the topic drink, but enough has changed that it's really not the same drink anymore. It becomes a ship of Theseus paradox. 
In this case, though, I had to mention the Smuggler's Cove Aku Aku. Martin Kate gives credit to the missionary's downfall in his book with a few adjustments. Five one-inch chunks of pineapple, eight mint leaves, one ounce of lime juice, half-ounce simple syrup, half-ounce peach liqueur, one and a half ounces of lightly aged rum. Muddle the pineapple in the blender cup first, add the remaining ingredients and six ounces of crushed ice, flash blend for five seconds, and double strain into a chilled coupe glass. Wow. This is a capital W wonderful drink. It looks great with its yellow-green hue. The minty pineapple takes on a bright clarity and is subdued just a bit, giving way to a full, rounded, rummy, peachy depth. The texture? Forget about it. It's got a thick, silky, foamy head that puts egg white to shame. The citrus and mint make it into sort of a pineapple meringue. The only thing is that it's the biggest pain in the ass to make. It takes so long to strain the viscous pineapple mint slurry to get that great head that it's almost not worth it. This may be one of the best all-around drinks that I've ever tasted. But by the time I strain the next round, I'm sober again. Notwithstanding, I feel like a missionary's downfall, to be called such, needs to be served with the fruit and herbs blended in. Martin Kate seems to agree, which is why the Aku Aku gets a very honorable mention here. Such a great drink. The path to legendary status is not linear. That's why being a purist is fraught with dissonance. Recipes and methods of preparation evolve and devolve through the ages. Technology is a double-edged bar spoon. As the means to create the drinks became easier, often the quality lessened. Even our beloved Tiki felt the growing pains of pre-made mixes and canned fruit. Thankfully, the comely imposter drinks these products render don't fool us anymore. Frankly, they didn't back then either. Missionary's Downfall No, it's not just an accident you had while trying to have drunk sex. It's another delicious original brainchild of Don the Beachcomber. He was almost 100 years ahead of his time when it came to using fresh produce in his confounding contrivances. I'm not usually one for pontificating, but if Tiki is our religion and Don Beach is the pontiff, well... It looks like we're all his missionaries. So, when one of us is experiencing hard times, let's pick each other up and raise a glass to another missionary's downfall. Sources for this episode can be found under the blog post at podtiki.com. I want to make sure I give some plugs to checking out the Summer Sessions EP, which is still available on podtiki.com under the Summer Sessions tab for tracks of music composed, written, performed by myself, my wife, and the, uh, I guess I'll call them the Podtiki players. <laughs> I want to please you guys to follow me on the social medias. Um, you can follow me on Instagram is where I do most of my stuff. You can follow me on Facebook, all that stuff. You just search Pod Tiki. On Instagram is pod underscore tiki or my personal page, rum underscore poet. Please follow the YouTube where our video-only show, Inside the Mug, goes on where we discuss some behind-the-scenes action of the previous episode or just random stuff going on in life. Uh, if you see it so much in your hearts 
to hop over to our Patreon page. It's only $3 a month to go ahead and donate to the show. Um, I'm working on some perks. Like I said, uh, I know I know I've been saying that a lot. I'm really close to doing something uh, about doing some extra content. Um, see if you guys want that. Maybe something not so tiki related, but something uh, something extra just for the Patreons. So hop over there and subscribe to that all across the board. Even if you don't subscribe to Patreon, just across the board, just like and subscribe, leave comments. I, like I said earlier, I really enjoy talking with you guys. I'm sorry if I don't get back promptly all the time. You know, life does, uh, you know, if it was, believe me, if I had my druthers, I would do this as my full-time job and I can just talk to you guys all day long in between writing. But unfortunately, the day job and the wife and the family and uh, you know, being a human in the rest of this world. Uh, when I can't escape, I have to actually live in the reality, which, uh, you know, if there was no reality, there'd be no reason for escapism. So we have to take care of our business, right? I want to make sure I also direct you guys to check out the article I wrote or the podcast you can find on this feed called Rest in Paradise. It's my tribute to Jimmy Buffett. Um, if you haven't heard the episode yet, I urge you to go check it out. Um, if you care at all about um, me, you know, hearing me talk about how much I, how much his life affected me, um, I'm not going to reiterate everything here. Go back and listen to that episode. Um, lots of personal anecdotes and things like that. I tried to keep it away from being a stereotypical obituary and just kind of give some highlights about how what he meant to me and to those of us who come from Florida, where I came from, and um, have had interactions with, with with that lifestyle he's always been a part of my my lifestyle since i was a teenager and um he is going to be missed although his his art his lifestyle um the memories that he gave all of us will live on within us and uh here's a shout out jimmy buffett um this one's for you buddy uh the missionary who who never who n never fell down <laughs> so also if you guys are looking for any you know, uh, the summer is winding up. Fall is coming into full effect. It's going to get time for some gift-giving season soon. Or maybe you're traveling for the holidays and you go into someone's house and you know that they don't keep their straw. You know they don't. You know. You know. You know. It, let's just say their their kitchen hygiene is a bit questionable. Uh, you know, and maybe you, you know, take it from someone who's lived in apartments for for about ten years now. The uh, sometimes that uh, some, sometimes that 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 dishwasher gets a little rank if you don't take care of it. So. Uh, maybe you want to bring your own your own straw. You know, maybe you don't quite trust their their glassware or their silverware, right? So you want to go there, or maybe you want to give a gift to someone who know that you know loves tiki and loves cocktailing, or just is into carrying around high quality personal. Uh, let's call them uh, uh, liquid delivery systems. I just. Uh, Check out Surfside Sips. You guys have heard me talk about it. Surfside Sips, Andrew out there is a great guy. He's a he's a friend of the show, and he makes wonderful handmade glass straws, strawware. Um, they can you, you can get them custom with all kinds of designs in them. He can uh, he's got a bunch on his website to choose from. He or you can just get them straight. You can get them straight or bent or just you can get sets so that you you can carry them in your and you know you can stick them in your in your purse or your purse and carry them with you wherever you go. Um, I think he even has the cleaning supplies on there to take care of them, and he, maybe even a carrying case as well. So check that out, surfsidesips.com. And when you go to checkout, 
make sure you go to that little coupon code area and you put in pod tiki all one word all caps p-o-d-t-i-k-i that's going to get you 20 percent off your order and it'll let you know that you heard it. it'll let him know that you heard it here and uh that you're and it'll be a way for you to support the show without having to spend money on anything that you weren't that that and get something for yourself you know get something for yourself this holiday season how about getting yourself a sweet uh octopus straw i got one of the puffer fish ones where the middle of the straw has got a giant puffer fish in it it's freaking awesome and they're great and they're high quality if you want to know all about them go back and listen to the episode i did with andrew on surfside sips he talks about how all the how high quality they are. They're not going to fall apart in your dishwasher or break when you could drop them or anything like that. So um, go check them out. Definitely worth it. I believe that's all I have to hawk for you guys this week. So I just want to say once again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening and supporting everything Pod Tiki. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Tony. This has been Pod Tiki. Keepy Tiki. <laughs>